0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever into the ages of all ages, Amen. Most of what I'm sharing with you today is taken from a chapter called the Spiritual Understanding of Physical Training in the Letters of St. Paul, which is a chapter from this book, So Great a Salvation by Amba Iffanius. There's a few um, original thoughts of mine or cross-references or examples from my life, but the 80 90 percent of the material um, is uh, comes comes from here and uh, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because I happen to be reading this book and in my own uh, personal journey it, it so fell that I was reading that chapter a day before or the day that the fast began and as I was lethargically slothfully kind of like starting the fast This kind of, reading this chapter was like a springboard for me and made me not want to just, you know, like mope through the fast until we get to the Feast of the Nativity, but rather made me want to, you know, Hebrews 12, 1, cast away all every snare which so easily entangles and run the race with fervor. And I hope to keep that fervor personally until the Feast of the Nativity, until until I reach the kingdom, um... But uh, at the very least until the feast of the nativity and I hope the same very much is that's my prayer Lord Jesus Christ for my father and for my brethren my fathers and mothers and my brothers and sisters and for my weak self Lord. Amen In ancient Greece (coughs) Athleticism was something that was uh, ubiquitous. It was very common Um, There were athletic games. There were athletic games all the time In fact in every major city three times a year they would have tournaments and they would have they would have uh different athletic competitions and and on mount olympus they had a festival to the great god the the greatest god of the god of, of all the gods zeus in his honor they had a festival on mount olympus which was a festival of athleticism zeus is the god of power so it was the god it was it was it was a way to celebrate the power of zeus you know um and so they'd have athletic games and from that came the olympic games which are now you know um uh, uh is a something every every 4 years but in ancient greece this was very common so st paul was born in tarsus tarsus was a port city and there were lots of trade routes through tarsus and so St. Paul, or Saul of Tarsus, grew up in this very cosmo- cosmopolitan city. His father was most likely, there's some uh, references, was a merchant. He was very wealthy, uh, and very learned, and, uh, and a Pharisee. Um, so, um, And so being the Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, he devoted himself to the, to, to the study of a religion, however, he was from a family of merchants, and so it, they, he was very cultured. Okay, and so this Greek ideology and Greek language would have been something he probably learned from an from an f- as an infant. You know, because he was because he was wealthy, and because his his father or his fa- the family business was was they were in business, they were merchants, and so on. Um, and so he was very familiar with these the this, the concepts of athleticism, and he also knew that some of the places that he was writing letters to were very familiar with them as well. So Corinth, you'll find a lot of references to athleticism in Corinth, uh, to the epistles to the Corinthians, to the Philippians, and his letters to Timothy. Remember, Timothy Timothy's father was Greek, but his mother was was Jewish. And so you find these concepts of athleticism are, are, are very much there in, in St. Paul's spiritual understanding of, of, of uh, physical training in, in spiritual life. So if you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 9, the very end of the chapter, verses 24 to 27, maybe somebody can read them for us. Anybody, can, uh, anybody who's found it can read it for us. Do you not know that those who run in a race are all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temp- temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. I, have to others, my, I myself should become disqualified. So we find here Saint Paul is uh, teaching us how to how to to run the the race in in uh, of spiritual life. but the reason i'm sharing this chapter with you is that Ambe Bifannius was uh, very much a scholar of of the Greek language and of the Greek New Testament, and he spent a lot of time in Greece learning. Um, and when he when he when he helps us to understand the original words, the original meaning of the words, it because these are instructions. It made the instructions. Of spiritual struggle, so much clearer to me, and that clarity, oftentimes, clarity motivates us. If you're struggling with something at work, and you're starting to lose your, your, you lose your steam. I I did a whole, I did a lot of research in my past life, medical research in my past life, and um, when uh, you know, uh, my, my supervisor would give me some direction, and I would run, 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 and then you hit a roadblock, and then you get and then this and that. And then after a few weeks, you kind of, you lose your steam and then you kind of go to the lab and you don't really do anything and you drink coffee and everybody just sits and talks together all day. And then you go home, why? Because I've lost my direction, I've lost my clarity, I've hit a road bump and I don't know. So clarity oftentimes in life and spiritual life as well, oftentimes motivates us to to press on, to push forward and to to work really hard. So first of all, St. Paul says, Do you not know um, that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So we're talking about that, like Abuno is saying, everybody is going to run, but not everybody is going to win. In other parts of Scripture, and just a quick, very quick aside, we're not talking about salvation here. We're talking about reward. Remember, this is about winning the prize. We're not talking about salvation, we're talking about reward. Salvation is by grace through faith, and Abuna really spoke to us very clearly in the past talk about synergy and grace, the work of God and man, initiated by God but responded by us, and God completes our response. That's the end of that parenthesis. We're talking about reward. So what do we have to do to be rewarded? Verse 25, everyone who competes for the prize... The the Greek word for competes, for those who walked in just now, we're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the last couple of verses, 24 through 27. We're going to be entering deep into the meaning of the words that are instructions to us about how to run the race and obtain the prize. Everyone who competes for the prize. What does this word competes mean? The word competes in in the Greek word is, I'm probably not going to pronounce it right, but nonetheless, agonizoma agonizoma comes from the same word as agony you know my favorite uh, uh, flight search uh, app is hip monk um, and hip monk this is a, a plug for hip monk I hope I'm I'm not an affiliate but I hope they're gonna give me uh, they're gonna give me money for any clicks that are gonna come during this talk um, is uh, comes from the the word agony and 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 like it does this this it has this composite like you can sort by like flight time by departure time or, or you can sort by agony which is like a composite score of like how painful this travel is going to be right so the word competes here is actually like comes from the same root word as Agony, right? And what does it mean to fight, to struggle, to sacrifice oneself to the best of one's ability? It is furious competition furious competition. I, I, I played some sports in my life. I played hockey, I played rugby. And I remember I was like the skinniest guy on the rugby team, I know. It's very hard to imagine that once upon a time I was 128 pounds. I was 128 pounds and there were guys that were 300 pounds on the field. And I was the wing, I was the last guy with the ball. When I would get the ball, if I don't run for my life, I'm gonna get flattened by a 300 pound man, right? So I would run for my life, right? I would run furiously and smack the ball down, score the down, right? I was running for my life. When I played hockey, same thing, right? It's, it's furious competition. It's that moment. It's that moment you get the ball and nothing else in the world matters right now. Nothing Nothing else matters right now. And we play rugby and we start training in February. There's still snow on the field. And I don't know if you've seen rugby shorts, right? Furious competition, furious, right? And nothing matters. And it's like it's below zero. And we're wearing cleats and shorts. And you dive to make it between the two guards in the back. And bam, drop the ball and score the down. Because nothing else matters in that moment. Before that moment, you might have been looking and seeing who's watching. Are your friends cheering you on? Are you this? Are you that? But the moment you got the ball, the moment you got the ball, nothing else matters. Furious, furious competition. That's what that word competes means. But then he says, everyone who competes for the prize, then the next word is, is temperate. Can I be honest with you, a a little confession? I've never really understood this verse. How can someone compete furiously and be temperate? Temperate means the middle way. Don't Don't be too extreme. You know, don't be like crazy this way or crazy that way. Let's say the middle way, you know. Never sat right with me, this word temperate. It never really sat right with me. Is temperate in all things. So, what does the word temperate mean? The Greek word temperate, according to Ambaiphanus, I went and looked all these words up because some of them, honestly, I didn't believe him. He's a saint, he's a bishop, he's in heaven, but I, I, I had to go look them up, and every single one of them was exactly as he described. Enkrate Anyways, you can look it up. So, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. What does this word temperate mean? The word temperate means it's a period of preparation before the competition. For the Olympic Games in Greece, it could be up to 10 months or maybe shorter, depending on on the level of the intensity of the game. If it was international games, it was probably longer. If it was a little local village thing, it was probably shorter. This word, enkra. Hmm? We're we're in uh, 1 Corinthians nine twenty five, trying to understand the word temperate. So it's a period of preparation. Um, one of the uh, one of the philosophers writes about this, and and Epiphanius quotes him. The Stoic philosopher Epictetus says. You have to submit to discipline, follow a strict diet, give up sweet cakes, train under compulsion. At a fixed hour, in the heat or in the cold, you must not drink cold water nor wine whenever you feel like it. Sounds a bit like fasting. He's writing about preparation for athletic games. You can't just do whatever you want whenever you want, right? A couple of weeks ago, we had a visiting guest speaker uh, on Sunday, uh, and uh, he said something. And when he said this, almost everybody in the audience had like their eyes like lit up, like everybody was like, "That's truth." He said, "You know, part of the problem that we have is that we live in a very pain-averse society. Anything that causes pain, oh, well, we don't want that. Anything, but we all know that anyone who has achieved anything that is worth anything." Has gone through a lot of pain to do so and we want what those people have achieved we know that too but our immediate reaction when we see pain is ah uh, no 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 Um, no that part can't possibly be right something is wrong Uh, but we know that that's not true we know that athletes train and they actually they actually look for the pain. They know that the pain is... They don't desire the pain. Nobody desires the pain. But they know that the, the pain comes with effective training. So they want to know they didn't spend a day training and it was a waste. So if they, don't, if they wake up tomorrow and they're not sore, they're wondering, well, did I waste my day yesterday? Why, well, why aren't my muscles sore? I must have done something wrong. Because if I train, if I push myself to my limit... I should wake up the next day and I should be sore. So they look for the pain as a, a, as a secondary effect, an indicator of effective training. So you can't just, I can't just eat whatever I want, whenever I want, do whatever I want, whenever I want. You do you. <laughs> yeah, if you want to lose, if you want to win, if you want to win... No. So this word temperate actually means a period in which we're training. We're preparing ourselves for the competition in which we will run furiously. Tertullian says, the martyrs are very similar to the athletes whose bodies were pressed, racked, worn out. Whose bodies were pressed, racked, worn out as I eat siami macarona bachamel. (laughs) All this, they do all of this in hope of winning a crown. We're gonna talk in a few minutes about the crown, but for a moment, let us just highlight that this crown that was given in the Greek culture was a garland of flowers, either like a lace, like a thing around, around your neck or on your head, of flowers that have been picked obviously off of a plant. Okay? And they weren't those Costco flowers. I don't know, those are flowers are on steroids. They last like 2 weeks even if you don't change the water, right? They were like how long do those how long do those last? Open Hebrews 12:1 and somebody read for us Hebrews 12:1. Anybody who has it can just start reading out loud. There you go. Let us set aside every sin which so easily ensnares. I like to drink wine, not during the period of training. Why? Because I want the prize more. I like to eat a lot okay fine eat a lot okay do whatever you want but not now now is not the time now not the time for this right i didn't mention a little bit earlier when they would when the word race the word race competes in the race saint paul was saying the word race there is stadion stadion with an n like uh, norman at the end which is the greek precursor to the english word stadium the word stadion was uh, is actually a stadion is actually a, a unit of measure. It was 600 Greek feet, which is the equivalent of about 607 feet, like what we call a foot now, which is a British foot um, or an imperial foot, and uh, it was about 192 meters. It's just shy of 200 meters. So that was the race, the common race. When he says they run in a race, there were other races as well. There were marathons, right? Marathon is a city in Greece and so on. It's all based on the guy who ran to go give the news in marathon. That's where marathons come from, right? So there were other races, but the usual race was a stadion, which was about just shy of 200 feet. That's what they were, that's what they were talking about. And this was at the base of an arena, you know, and so it was either in a in a circle, or oftentimes it was just in a straight line, um, where those who were running would run towards the emperor, and the first one there would get crowned. So they were running. So this image is very important for us because we're we're not even in the stadium yet, okay? We're preparing ourselves to be in the stadium, right? And I don't know if you've, any of you have played any competitive sports, but. It works wonders for you. If you go on the, on the day before the finals, you go to the, to the field, you go to the ice, and you just stand there, and you just see yourself, you know, carrying the Stanley Cup. You just see yourself in your mind's eye, you know, and you just, and you stand in the field, you stand in the stadium before the race. But it's very, it's a very important picture for us that we are running towards Him who will crown us. Not an emperor, Caesar, but our true king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Notice the eastward-facing church is built so that we enter from the west and we progress towards the east. And we receive his body and his blood as we walk as we come this way it's all this imagery was taken from the it was all taken from the the local context of the people at the time They, they understood this stuff it was easy for them to understand this stuff so before we even get to the stadium on game day let us let us shed the the extra weight we don't need the sin which so easily ensnares us let's get rid of it that's why every fast begins with a time of forgiveness, of repentance, of asking God to forgive us before the fast begins. Before the fast. The lineup for confession on Vespers the night before a fast begins should be around the block. It should be around the block. Because we're I don't want to I don't want to use the fast to prepare myself like I'm gonna the, the, the fasting is the time of, of training. So I'm going to use the time of training to prepare myself to train. Like during the period of training, I'm going to go shopping for running shoes. Buddy, you're not going to win. Because all the other people who are training for this race, they bought their running shoes a month before the training period began. They bought their protein powder and they stocked up and whatever because they knew they know that from day one of training, it's training time. So we prepare ourselves for for the training. That's why you'll find the readings of Lent, the, the, the lectionary of Lent, the lectionary, the readings of Lent start from the Sunday before Lent. There's like pre-it's called pre-Lent Sunday. So we're still not fasting, but we're already reading. We're already reading Matthew 6 and 7. We're already reading if you want to fast. Do da, da. If you want to pray, do, do da da. If you want to do charitable works, do da da da. Because it, it doesn't make sense to use the precious time of training to be ra- buying running shoes. You should be on the track. Right? So let us let us prepare ourselves with forgiveness. Forgiveness from God, forgiving ourselves. And forgiving our neighbor, our time of reconciliation with our neighbor. Because now, is tr- time of training is not the time to be, to be picking fights and, and reconciling from fights with other people. Ain't nobody got time for that. No winner has time for that. Right? Open Romans 12.1. You'll find St. Paul using similar imagery, similar similar words. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God to God, which is your reasonable service. Uh, hold on a second, St. Paul. A sacrifice is usually killed on the altar. But this is a living sacrifice? Is it alive or is it dead? It's alive because I am the one, I am the one who is offering myself, so I must be alive, A sacrifice. Remember the words of Tertullian? Athletes whose bodies, athletes and martyrs are very similar in that their bodies are pressed, racked, worn out. This time of training we have to recognize is for the athlete's own good. People come to us as as fathers of confession all the time, spiritual guides all the time. Abuna, I really want to fast the fast, but can I put milk on my coffee? Habibi, do what you want. This period of fasting is not for, for, it's not, it's not for God. God is not the richer or the poorer whether you put milk on your coffee or not. This is for you. This is for you. That you might have something on the Feast of the Nativity, on the great feasts, we begin with the offering outside the church and we process the offering into the church. What are you going to bring? The priests and the deacons are gonna bring the bread and the wine and the water. What are you gonna bring to the feast? New clothes? Good for you. Jesus doesn't care about your clothes. What are you gonna bring? What spiritual fruit are you gonna offer at the end of the fast? I really don't care. You put milk on your coffee, you don't. It's good for us to abide by all the teachings of the church, and the church has economy, has a, has a the right word for economy is not leniency, but let's just call it that best word for it is economy for those who need it go to your spiritual guide he can help you to tailor the fast to your to, to, to your particular circumstances but that said that said this is a time for you this is a time for you this is time training for you don't waste your time of training buying running shoes it's a time to give up certain things and the things we're giving up are not bad they're not bad they're good they're good things they're all created by God. Nothing is defiled in and of itself. Uh, St. Paul says to Titus All things are pure to the pure in heart. There are, everything is pure. But it's not the time for it now. It's not the time for video games. It's not the time for this. This time is limited and precious. It's a time of pruning. There are branches on the tree, which are beautiful. They have beautiful leaves and they're great. But you look, this one has two grapes at the end of it on the vine. This one has 20 bunches of tiny, all of them, the grapes are tiny little green, little, little dots, right? And the, and the trunk of, of, of both of them is equal size, big fat trunk going to that branch with many leaves and two little grapes. This one, big fat trunk, many leaves, and lots of bunches of grapes. So, and it's a in the in, in, in the vine. Now, you are, you, are, you are a wise, experienced vine dresser. Do you want the sap to be equally divided between these two trunks? No. Why? Because this one's gonna give me two grapes? Two fat, juicy grapes. And this one is going to give me 20 shriveled up raisins. 20 bunches of shriveled up raisins. Why? Cut this one. But it's a good branch. Why are you going to cut it off? Because it's it's siphoning off sap for a whole bunch of leaves. And in in, in harvest time, nobody cares about the leaves. Well, we do. We like water But everybody else is after the fruit. (laughs) Everybody else. Jesus looks at the fig tree and he curses the fig tree because there's no... Fruit. Why is there no fruit? Or why is the fruit? There's fruit, but it's like dry. I'm dry. One of the reasons my spiritual life may be dry is not because I'm not trying. You wake up, you sleep late, and you wake up early and you're trying hard, but your efforts are divided in many areas. Where is the fruit? When we say this in spiritual life, and I go through this exercise many times with people in spiritual guidance, where is the grace? None of us are going to do anything spiritual of ourselves. We're all carnal. We're all carnal people. And spirit is born of spirit, not of flesh. So only the spirit of God can bring about spiritual life in me. Nothing I will do will bring about spiritual life. However, I can disencumber the spirit of God so that the spirit of God can... Be fruitful in me." So where is the grace of God in your life? Is it when you open the Bible? It's like the words speak to you. It's like St. Paul comes alive. Or, 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 or the, you, you read the Bible and it's very dry and painful, but when you open your Igbeya, you're, you're, you, you're carried away into heaven by King David. Or is it in Tazbeha? or is it in this, or is it? Fine, where's the area of grace? That's the one with the 20 bunches of grapes. Right? The other things deserve our attention in a limited degree. Don't do anything, by the way. You know, spiritual life is one of those do not do not do this at home. You know, don't don't ever listen to something in a talk and then run home and do it. Run to your spiritual father, your spiritual guide, and ask them. I heard this in a talk. How does this apply to me? Right? Find the grace of God in your life, in your spiritual life, and prune out the rest of the stuff because now's not the time. For that, Obviously, we're going to cut off the branches that have sin. Obviously, we're going to cut off the branches that are unholy. All of this for what? To receive a crown, says St. Paul. What's the word crown in Greek? It's actually Stephanos. Isn't that interesting? That the word Stephen, Stephanos, means crown. The first one to be martyred and receive a crown of martyrdom. His name, which was given to him, from birth prior to his martyrdom actually means crown. So this crown, like we were saying, was a a, a garland of flowers, which was going to wilt away in a day, in a day. These athletes in Greece and the athletes today, the guy who runs the hundred meter dash, he spends four at least four years training to run for eight point something seconds. How long are you willing to train for an eternity, for an eternal crown? No one looks at the Olympic athlete who spent four years training for the Olympics to run eight seconds and says, what a waste. That's stupid. Who would do that? Nobody thinks that. Nobody thinks that. Everybody watches with intention. And when Canada wins, jump off our seats on the couch. (laughs) Jump up and scream and cheer and yeah! And right? How long are you willing to train for an imperishable crown? St. Paul tells us. Saint Paul going back again now to Roman to to 1 Corinthians 9, we uh, run not with uncertainty. What's this word uncertainty? Adilos. Adilos. Adilos means without having the goal clearly before one's eyes. You see the trouble is is it is possible to train and then to run furiously and still not win. Suppose, okay, tell me, tell me, sorry, this is a guess what I'm thinking question. I hate asking guess what I'm thinking questions. But nonetheless, guess what I'm thinking. Give me a scenario in which it is possible to train effectively and run faster than everyone else in the race and still not make it to the finish line first. The answer is staring you right, at the, right in the face. Anybody? What do you think? No, he's, he runs faster than everybody else. Just distracted. distracted or if he runs in the wrong direction. You don't win a hockey game by scoring the most goals if you're scoring on your own net. Adilos. This is, uh, this word makes me look at our, church calendar, especially now around the holidays, and cry. We have some days in our church calendar this year where we have three or four things happening. I think uh, December 21st, we couldn't fit it in the calendar, we couldn't fit it in the square, the number of things happening. St. Paul is telling us, folks, activity does not always translate to impact. The word here, adilos, is not having the goal clearly before one's eyes. And he uses this example of, of someone who is striking in the air, a blindfolded boxer. Right? He can, he can be the strongest boxer and he can he can have the strongest punches. But if he's hitting, if he's hitting air, if he doesn't hit the target, he doesn't win. Activity does not equal impact. Sometimes we're lazy and we're not active. That's bad, as servants. Other times we're very active, we're very active. But which way are we running in our own spiritual lives? Sometimes we're very active. You know, we chase every holy person. I love holy people. They inspire me very much. When I'm down in my spiritual life and I'm hit a low and I this and that, oftentimes what I do is I go find a holy person who's on fire and their fire reignites me. You take an, em- an ember out of the fire, it will grow dim, 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 dim and get cold. You take it, you put it back in the, in, in the middle of the fire pit, it'll get hot, 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 hot. Right? So I love, don't get me wrong, I love finding holy people. And taking from the fire to warm me up, energize me, get me excited in my spiritual life again. Go home, read, pray, seek God, repent, cry. I love that. I'm all for that. But sometimes you find people, sometimes we have six bishops in the GTA visiting, right? An event here, an event there, an event there. And for a full weekend, I see the same 40 people. Here, there, here, there, here, there, here, there, here, there. Now, I have to go because like sometimes there are like official functions in which I, I must be present, you know. But I think to myself, like you, have, you people have full-time jobs and you have children and you have a life and you have... How do you... If you're doing all of this, you know, there, was a, there were a couple of weeks in a row where I literally spoke in four or five grad meetings every week. So, and then I was doing a retreat, a post-grad retreat at the Valley. I remember halfway through the introduction of my first talk, I said, look, I don't think I can talk to you people. There are some people here, I've literally seen you five times this week, right? What do you do? When do you have time? You're sitting here and you're listening to what I'm saying. But there's, there's, you don't get points from listening. You get points from doing. So when, when do you have time to do Activity does not equal impact. Activity does not equal impact. Open 1 Corinthians 13:1. Who of us, for the sake of the kingdom, or for the sake of our spiritual life, have given ourselves to be burned? Have suffered that much loss for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the service, for the sake of Christ? If you miss, if you miss the mark, you still miss the mark. First Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13.1 Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or clanging. Soul. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I could remove mountains, I have nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. The race is to run the stadion, to run From the opposite end to the emperor, that is the race. If the end point of your race is not the emperor, just just a word of caution, you may be running faster than everybody else in the race, but you may not be running in the right direction. There's a story which has been attributed to multiple different spiritual fathers I l- even the footnotes in this book are gold you know i was kicking myself this morning that we didn't order a box of these for you you know what it would be great abram can you do me a favor can you gather uh everybody's names of the people who are here we'll order a box and we'll send a, we'll send uh enough co- a co- enough copies of these this book for everybody, Christmas present for all of you uh, for the uh, uh, for for having been here. Sorry, we should have done it in advance, but we didn't. Um, but nonetheless, I'm sure you'll be gracious and merciful and give us your names so that they can we can get you a copy. This story is from Paradise of the Fathers, has been attributed to multiple different fathers, and even the even the footnotes in this book are, are excellent. saying Saint uh Epiphanius um, uh, explains. You know why he attributes it to um, Saint Hilarion, the father of monasticism in Palestine. Consider hunting dogs which chase after hares. Imagine one of these dogs sees a hare in the distance and immediately gives chase. The other dogs that are with him see the dog taking off and they take off after him, even though they have not seen the hare. They will continue running with him, but only for a time, when at length The effort and struggle exhaust them. They give up the chase and turn back. However, the dog that saw the hare continues chasing it by himself. He does not allow the effort or the struggle to hinder him from completing his long course. He risks his life as he goes on, giving himself no rest. He does not allow to the turning aside of other dogs behind him to put him off. He goes running until he has caught the hare he saw. He is careless both of the stumbling blocks in his path, whether stones or thorns, and of the wounds that are inflicted on him. So also the brother who wishes to follow after the love of Christ must fix his gaze on the cross until he catches up with him who was crucified upon it, even though he sees everyone else has begun to turn back. Similarly speaking about this, St. Paul in Philippians 3, you can open up Philippians 3, 13 and 14. St. Paul tells us, eyes on the prize. One of our board members who is like a father to me, older than me in age and wisdom and spiritual wisdom as well. tell Often when I discuss different projects with him, we could do and we could build this, we could that. He tells me, Abuna, eyes on the prize. What do you want to do with your ministry? We, the board, are here to support you 100%. Whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do, Abuna, we are here to make, help you make it happen. But what do you want to do? Because you're not going to be able to do everything. Eyes on the prize, he says. St. Paul doesn't quite use the term eyes on the prize, but it's an easy one to remember. Somebody read for us Philippians 3, 13, and 14. St. Paul is telling us, keep your eyes on the goal. Don't look left, don't look right. Doesn't matter if the guy next to you is running faster than you. He might not make it to the finish line. Doesn't matter if the guy running to the right of you is running slower than you. He might pick up pace. Doesn't matter if the people in the stands are cheering you. Because they'll hail you today and they'll nail you tomorrow. It doesn't matter if you ran the first part of the race really fast, you can still trip up at the end and never make it to the finish line. It doesn't matter if you tripped up at the beginning of the race, you can still run the rest of it faster than everyone else. Don't compare yourself to the people, to your left or to your right. Don't look at the people in the stands. Don't even compare yourself to yourself. Oftentimes in spiritual life, there's a period of extreme grace which begins with, with which God begins our spiritual life. If you've had this experience, you're probably nodding your head right now. Oftentimes later in spiritual life, that grace is removed. That grace is the hair. Oftentimes we compare ourselves to ourselves in the past. There was a time I used to pray the igbeah cover to cover. There was a time I used to do 150 prostrations a day. There was a time I was at every single liturgy before anybody else. I was standing and waiting outside at the door, praying prime and morning doxology before anyone else. There was a time I killed myself in the service. I slept two or three hours a night, and I was joyful, and I wasn't tired. There was a time, and then we we say to her, woe to me now. And we don't do that. Don't do that. That wasn't you. That wasn't you. That was the grace of God. And the God who was there then is here now. And in his divine dispensation, he knows when to give the grace and when to take it away. He is the wise vine dresser who knows what to prune and what not to prune. Trust him. Trust him. But you just keep your eyes on the prize saint anthony and saint john the short have said the same thing it's been attributed to both of them but they've both said it in independent sources they say let every day be a new day don't look every morning thank god for a new day a new opportunity to repent you have yet given me another breath with which i can beg for your mercy O lord thank you for this new day don't look at yesterday and all the sins of yesterday and be discouraged today because today is a new chance. Today is a new opportunity. Don't look at the virtue and the grace of yesterday and, 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 and ride on your laurels and sit on your laurels. The, the term, the English expression comes from this Greek athleticism. Laurels are the same garland, same crown, which was given, right? You won one year doesn't mean you're gonna win the next. You won yesterday doesn't mean you're going to win today. You have to struggle. So St. Anthony and St. John the Short encourage us to end every day with repentance. Receive the forgiveness of God and forget the day and go to bed in peace. Forget the day. Forget it. Forget what happened today and begin tomorrow a whole brand new day in which I can win the kingdom of heaven or I can even lose my salvation. So every day is a new day. In he- we already read Hebrews 12.1. Although thousands are watching us, the cloud of witnesses are encouraging us and cheering us on, let us keep our eyes fixed on the cross. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Him who, Hebrews 5.18, I believe, or 5.13. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Him 5.8. Hebrews 5.8. This verse is so. Is so Convicting to me, let us keep our eyes fixed on him who learned obedience by the things he suffered. Jesus learned obedience by the things he suffered. Who do I think that I'm going to just get a cakewalk into heaven? Let us free ourselves of all of our burdens. And St. Paul says, not as one who beats the air. The word here beats Beats, the air beats, is to fight, to box, to strike with the fist. One might suppose that as long as we're we're running, we talked about this already, that we'll be effective. In 2 Timothy 2.5, 2 Timothy 2.5, St. Paul says that he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I promise you, Abuna and I, talked for about 30 seconds this week, and it was about a funeral. It wasn't about our talks. Abuna spoke about this, and Amba spoke about this. In the, and these words are coming to us from the Holy Spirit. They're coming to me from the Holy Spirit. If you wish to win, you must compete by the rules, not by mazagak, not by whatever you feel like doing. Self-willed spirituality will never lead to self-emptying Christianity, right? I'll pray when I want, I'll fast what I want, I'll give tithes if I feel like it, I'll do it. And that's self-emptying? What planet are we on, right? They're like, it's a negation in terms, it's, 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 it's not. It is, no, there has to be a spiritual father who is guiding me, directing me, and I'm not doing what I want, I'm doing, what has been prescribed to me to my soul are you hitting your target am i hitting my target am i being effective is the cross clearly before my eyes so, Amba by epiphanius reemphasizes what abuna emphasized to us as well that our struggle tremendously relies on god who works within us to support us. Open Philippians 2.13 Open Philippians 2.13 in your Blue Letter Bible app. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. It's from God. It's from God. But I just need to disencumber my spirit. I need to I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, people, sometimes you see people running with weights on their legs. Okay, they're doing that to train. But I'm running with weights on my legs that aren't for training. They're for my pleasure. You know, I'm running with a, a roast turkey strapped to my leg. You know, for, with the things, the pleasurable desires of my flesh strapped to my legs. They're slowing me down. They're slowing me down. And I'm not going to finish the race. I'm not going to finish the race. This is the part that convicted me so much that I had to, what made me say, this is what we should talk about in the spiritual day. I discipline my body, St. Paul says, lest after having preached to others, I myself might be disqualified. We're wrapping up, haram, Tawil ta'aleeku. I discipline my body. piazo. Hippo, hypo. Hypo, low, right? Hypo, low, brought down to the ground. I bring my body down to the ground. Piazzo is to beat someone, to beat somebody up until they're black and blue in the face. This is one of those words I didn't believe on by Fannyus. I didn't believe him. I'm I'm gonna beat somebody up until they're black and blue in the face. I used to do jiu-jitsu way, way back when, right? Grappling, jiu-jitsu is all about grappling. Somebody throws a punch, somebody tries to kick. It's all about blocking or ducking. And then you just jump the guy. You just jump the guy. Your body weight pushes him down to the ground and you grapple him into a lock. If he doesn't submit, you break his arm, right? Grappling. I'm going to pin the flesh down to the ground and then St. Paul says, I'm going to beat him until he's black and blue in the face that's what he says that's what that word discipline says hippo bring him down and pound the daylights out of him don't believe me that's why I told you to download the blue letter Bible app download it look it up look up the definition discipline beat up until black and blue in the face especially under the eyes <laughs> that's what it means give him give him black eyes you know why people get a black eye, medically? It's due to facial fractures. I'm gonna hit him so hard, I'm gonna break his facial bones. When somebody gets a black eye, it's because the, the, the black is the pooling of some blood, which is like a bruise, but that blood oftentimes comes from a, a broken bone, a fractured bone, there's tiny little, tons of tiny little vessels in the facial bones, around the facial bones, and that's what gives them. People have face, facial surgery, reconstructive surgery, so on, they oftentimes end up with some some black, uh, some uh, some some bruises here, right? Piazzo. How are you fasting? How are you? Fa- how am I fasting? How are you fasting, John? Siami ami macarona I discipline my body. Piazzo. He beats him. Saint Paul opened Philippians four twelve. I have learned both to be full. And to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. St. Paul says, I can starve. I can starve. I can do the Gandhi hang- hunger strike. I can do it. The I can do all things to strike Christ who strengthens me, I'm Superman. I can jump off the sea and tower. I can do all things. No. St. Paul's saying, I'm content. I've learned how to be rich, how to be poor, how to be hungry, how to be full. I'm content. I can hunger, I can. I can starve this flesh until he stops troubling me. You know who the icon of this to me is? I'm biased, I'm biased, okay? Disclaimer, I'm biased. St. Moses saint moses every saint has a title the saint mary the theotokos right saint mark the beholder of god archangel michael the intercessor of the human race what's the title of saint moses the strong saint abba moses why because he was he was ah sometimes we call him the great <laughs> the great holy moses but he's the strong saint abba moses the strong Saint Mos. Why the strong? Because oh, he's a bodybuilder. No. They say at the end of his life, he was like a coal. Anybody ever here picked up a big lump of coal? It looks like it's big and you're going to have to hold it with two hands, but it's light as a balloon. This is how full of... Full of he, was, he, was like, he was like a wraith. He was like a ghost. That he had, he had weakened the flesh to such a degree by fasting. Abba Misael, the, the anchorite, entered the monastery when he was very young, eight or 10 or 12, I can't remember. A few years after he entered the monastery, he progressed so quickly in spiritual life, he became a shut-in. A shut-in are like they're monks who don't open, they don't open their door. They give them some food under the door. that's it. They don't talk to anybody, they don't see. Years later, five, six years later, his spiritual father we used to talk to him from the window, he obliged him to open the door. He opened the door, and he said to him, "I don't recognize you." I don't reckon all the only way I know that you are Misa'il, my son, is from your eyes and your voice. But your body has become nothing, there's nothing left from the extent of fasting and prostration and vigil. The strong Saint Abba Moses, Abba Isidore, his spiritual father, told him, Slow down, Moses. You're, you're inciting the demons against you. And one day, you'll have a tiny slip-up of pride or something. And you're, 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 you're instigating the demons so fiercely by your struggle that you will that the, the second you let your guard down, they will kill you. He wouldn't listen. Prostrations, fasting, vigil. Eight years, he didn't sleep willingly a night so that he wouldn't have evil dreams. Of course, he slept accidentally, found in an alleyway, fallen asleep on a pillar. One day, this is a story which is not commonly told, but is present in Paradise of the Fathers. He was filling the water jugs of the elders by the well in the pitch dark of night. And by, by, by whatever permission of God, the demons assaulted him. They beat him so. Fiercely, that when the brothers didn't find Abba Moses amongst them the next day in the morning, they went looking for him. They couldn't recognize him. They couldn't recognize him. He spent over a year bedridden because they broke his bones. He couldn't walk. Finally, after they nursed him to health after over a year, he walked with a limp for the rest of his life and he continued to fight fiercely in his spiritual life. Why? Because he saw the hair. He saw the hair and he saw the prize and he can see the cross and nothing is gonna keep me away from it. That's the strong Saint Abba Moses, the fierce, the ferocious Abba Moses. Where am I? Where am I? Let us not compare ourselves, but let us be inspired. Let us not compare ourselves, but let us be inspired in this time of preparation. Acts 14.2 says, say after St. Paul gets stoned, after he gets stoned by people from the town of Lystra, he gets up, he gets up. They think he's dead. The disciples think he's dead. He brushes himself off you know, gets the dust out of his beard and starts walking back towards Lystra. Why? To preach the gospel to them, right? And what does he say to them when he's going back to Lystra and they're telling him, Paul, stop. He says, for by many tribulations and sufferings, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't believe this feel good Christianity because it just ain't real. In regards to this, lest we uh, misunderstand hippo Abba Beeman clarifies, we have not been taught to kill our bodies, but to kill our passions. We have not been taught to kill our bodies, but to kill our passions. Go to Colossians 3, 5. I promise you I'm wrapping up. One more Greek word. One more Greek word after, after this verse. Open Colossians 3, 5. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. We don't really have any teachings of self mortification in the Coptic Orthodox Church. In some other churches, they do, but it's not not in our tradition, in the monastic tradition, in the lay tradition, it's not in our tradition to, to harm, to purposefully inflict pain on ourselves. To do actions which are exclusively painful. I'm super out of shape. So when I do three prostrations, my muscles hurt because I'm super out of shape. That's one thing. But to to scourge myself, like to take a belt and to whip myself, this is a practice in some some other uh, churches, which is fine. I'm not criticizing, but it's not present in the Coptic Orthodox Church. And it's not something that is in. So it's not about harming my body for the sake of harming my body. This isn't out of hatred towards my body. No, rather very much the opposite. St. Paul says in Ephesians 5, no man ever hated his body, but he loves it and he cherishes it just as Christ cherishes, cherishes the church. right? But my passions, which find their root in my body, those I am called to put them to death. Wrapping up, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest I myself should be disqualified. Adokimos, adokimos. Not eligible to enter the race. So the, 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 the hippopiazo is the br- bring my body, bring my flesh down, my passions down, and beat them till they're black and blue in the face. That's part of the preparation. That's not the running furiously. Right? That's, that's the preparation time. I'm gonna prepare, I'm gonna prepare with hippopiazo discipline, so that I will be able to compete in the race furiously. Right? And if I don't, I will be a docimos. I will be disqualified. I will be not eligible to enter the race. Not every kind of preparation that athletes do in the time of preparation, will allow them to enter the race. For example, if they use substances, right? If they use steroids or I don't know, whatever. I'm not very familiar with that, but whatever. You know what I mean? They test their urine and they, na, 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 right? Before they race. Why? Because the preparation, they have to have prepared according to the rules. Open 2 Timothy 2, 4 and 5. 2 Timothy 2. Four and five. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. In summary, in summary, I'll read you one paragraph from the second to last page in that chapter. This is now Amba Ibphanyu speaking. Translation of Amba Ibphanyu speaking. Although he spoke English very well, but I don't think these, these are all sermons by him. I don't think they were English sermons. And the, the Apostle Paul sets before us the example of the athlete who separates himself from the pleasures and lusts of the world, renouncing all that is not helpful, forgetting entirely what lies behind him, pushing ahead to what lies before him, not busying himself with the concerns of the world or its hindrances, fastening his gaze on the clearly defined goal fixed before his eyes, to subject himself to harsh training because this is what will qualify him to receive the crown. And if we do so, if you and I do so, if we take the words of Ambibefanios, the words of St Paul, if we follow the chiding of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we will say at the feast of the nativity, at the end of the race, when we run up to the emperor, or at the end of our life, with St Paul, 2 Timothy Chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.